Hi, this is Mark Rabin. Before the episode, let me quickly tell you about my new book. It's titled Measures of Success. It's a book that will help you react less to your performance metrics, every up and down in those. It'll help you lead better. It'll help you improve more. So you can learn more about the book by going to www.measuresofsuccessbook.com or you can search Amazon. It's available as a print book, a Kindle book. It's available through Apple Books. I hope you'll check it out. Hi, this is Mark Raven. If you like this podcast, you might realize I have a blog, leanblog.org. Did you also know that I have another podcast called Lean Blog Audio? And there I basically, occasionally, or as often as I can, I read audiobook style versions of blog posts. So you can go to leanblog.org slash audio or search in your favorite podcast place for Lean Blog Audio. I hope that'll give you something else uh, that's food for thought, something else to help you in your lean journey. Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben. This is episode 182 of the podcast for July 30th, 2013. I have a really special and interesting episode today. Uh, my guests are Michael Grogan and Dr. Brenda DeMello. They're joining me via Skype all the way from Tanzania, where they're working together um, to use lean methods to improve healthcare. Uh, at uh, a health center called CCBRT. Um, Michael, as you can tell from the accent, is um, Irish, and he left his career in the United States um, to come work in Af Africa with Dr. Brenda, um, who is relatively new to lean and others. Um, they're doing really important work. I think it's a really important mission. And I think it's interesting to hear about some of uh, you know the organizational and cultural challenges within the organization, I'm not talking about national culture, but organizational culture, how familiar uh, this might sound, talking about things like developing leaders, um, stopping blame of individuals, treating people with respect, eliminating a culture of fear. You know, these are things that, as Dr. Brenda points out, are needed beyond clinical skills alone to be able to solve the problems that we're facing in healthcare. Uh, if you'd like to read more and see a video of Michael and Dr. Brenda talking together, if you'd like to donate um, to their efforts via the Capona Foundation, which is a U.S.-based organization, um, you can go to leanblog.org slash 182. You can find links um, to learn more about their organization and their work. And if you'd like to get involved and help out in some way, um, you have hopefully opportunities to do that. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. And uh, for all podcasts, you can go to leanpodcast.org. Thanks for listening. Well, Michael and Dr. Brenda, uh, thank you so much for being guests here on the podcast today. Thank you, Mark. It's a pleasure to join you here today. Uh, th thank you, Mark, for having us. Well, it's my pleasure. Um, it's uh, very happy to have you be able to share your stories and, and what you're working on uh, today. It's a real honor to have you here. Um, Michael, if, if you could start first, if you can introduce yourself and um, you know, some of your background with Lean before um, we, we get into the work you're doing there in Tanzania. Yeah, sure. So um, my name is Michael Grogan. I'm, a, I guess, a Lean practitioner and coach here in Tanzania. How I came to Tanzania is a, is a great story in itself, but maybe my introduction to Lean um, was in the eight years I spent with a large pharmaceutical company. Um, I spent about just under three years in the UK and just under four years 
um, in the US. So I worked for a Merck pharmaceutical company and I was in that time that I got exposed to lean thinking. So I did my Lean Six Sigma qualifications back in 2009, the black belt and whatnot. But I believe my greatest exposure was um, when I got coached for two years by a Lean Sensei, um, Eric Hager. And he, Eric has spent 13 years in working for Toyota. So getting pure TPS coaching, um, it kind of revolutionized the way I think. So I I'm, I'm consider myself extraordinarily lucky to have been exposed to this thing called Lean. Yeah, and I, I know Eric, and gosh, maybe I should have Eric as a uh, guest in the podcast. I've had a chance to talk with him, and, and, and you're right. That was some, some excellent coaching, um, great opportunity um, that, that you had there. Um, let, let's talk a little bit more, and then we'll, we'll come back to Brenda about some of her background and, and perspectives on getting introduced to Lean. Um, but, M Michael, maybe first, if you can talk about how you ended up um, doing the work that you're doing today. How, how did you end up... Um, there in Africa? Well, my short answer is fate, <laughs> but um, it is quite interesting how I ended up here. And if you if were to ask me this question three years ago, that I'll be working for a healthcare provider here in East Africa, I, I almost wouldn't have believed it. My exposure to Africa was when I lived in the UK, my roommate was Tanzanian and he invited me to his sister's wedding. So having been a child of the Western world and never left Europe or North America, I thought it was an opportunity, um, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. So it was in that vacation, that two-week vacation, that it, it went from being a tourist to something else. And it was in that time in April 2010, it's the first time I came face-to-face -face with people, especially children and women living in extreme poverty. And on the return trip back to the U.S., I remember reflecting to myself what I saw and the stories I heard and the people that I met and... It was just, it was shocking at the same time, but I did not want to be one of these Westerners that come to this part of the world, see it, and it's all talk and no action. So on that day, I made a promise to myself that I don't know how I'm going to help. I don't know who I'm going to help. I don't know exactly in what context I'm going to help. But whatever I do involve myself in, it must make the biggest possible impact. So about a year went by, and I, 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 I volunteered in what I would consider traditional philanthropy, so I connected with an organization, and I raised funds for that organization um, in girls' education. And in a way, I challenged myself, am I doing the biggest possible impact? So I looked for organizations in Tanzania. I wanted to return to Tanzania, but this time, I guess, to use the talents that I was been lucky to have the opportunity to be gifted with, or the opportunity to learn. And that's what my colleagues said, well, Michael, don't you teach this lean stuff? Why don't you go out to um, Africa and find an organization that you can coach? So it was a kind of eureka moment for me after a year of doing traditional philanthropy. And so I threw my resume out there, threw a description of what I wanted to do uh, for two weeks of my vacation. And it, through, through my connections, uh, it got hold, it got, my, my documents got in front of the CEO of an organization called CCBRT. And the CEO responded saying he would be delighted if I come to his organization. I never heard of mm. this organization, CCBRT. But when I uh, read about them and I found out the work they do serving the poorest of the poor, both in terms of disability and maternal health care, it was like falling in love. It was said, this is exactly the type of organization that I want to volunteer for. So I volunteered for two weeks. I did two weeks of training, albeit death by PowerPoint, mm -hmm. <laughs> problem-solving training. Uh, but it kind of introduced them to it and they got really excited by it. So 
I got offered right there and then to um, a full-time position. But if I'm honest with myself, I was scared. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I love my life in the U.S. and to, to quit everything and move to Africa, I wasn't ready for it and all these unanswered questions. So I said I'll test it again. So I came back again at the end of last year, this time for five weeks. I took some um, time off work as well. And I brought a colleague of mine as well, another lean coach for two weeks. Um, and it was in that time that I think it was on day two, yeah, I decided this is for me. And why I said this is for me, because it was felt like the most meaningful work I've ever done. And that's no disrespect to the my professional career in both the US and Europe, but just the the job satisfaction I got out of these people that I met were so hungry for this uh, knowledge. And it wasn't like I was telling them how to solve their problems, but teaching them the method on how to solve their own problems. And what I witnessed in my time here, and, and Brendel is a testimony about this, the people I met and the people I coach here, they're more talented than me. I, I, I don't underestimate that at all, but they didn't have the same learning opportunities mm -hmm. than me. And this is all about developing them using the lean principles of the lean thinking so they can solve their own problems. And that meaningful work of serving the poor to the poor and knowing that this is a long-term approach, um, I, I just could not let go of that, <laughs> yeah. if you will. And I really believe to this day, and um, I went back to the U.S. and I quit my my job and I moved here full-time at the end of February. But I feel that the people of Tanzania and Africa have taught me more than I could have, I could ever teach them in, how, I don't know how many years I'm going to be here, but just that's um, the definition and that perspective, the definition of success and that perspective. So it's the most rewarding work I've ever done in my life. And I, I feel honored the opportunity to come here on a full-time capacity and uh, to coach. Yeah. And, and, and you say you're not sure how long you're, you're staying. That's kind of up in the air. I'm here for 15 plus years. <laughs> don't tell my mother that. <laughs> I guess my own family were like, what are you doing? Uh, but um, I mean, uh, I, n no one can tell the future. If I'm here sure. for 15 years, for two years, 10 years, I don't know. I thought I'd be in America for a lot longer. I thought I'd be in Ireland. I mean, uh, well, I'm from Ireland. <laughs> right. I thought I'd be living in England for a lot longer, and I only st I stayed three years. But it, you, you never know. I mean, but I'm, I, I believe that I'm here for the foreseeable future until otherwise, but I'm committed to because there's so much human need here, mm -hmm. I, I want to lead by example, and I want to be on the grounds and supporting Brenda in the heroic work that she's doing, and to share them with the opportunity. And, and this thing we call lean, we're so I feel so lucky to have been exposed to it, and it's almost like an obligation that we need mm -hmm. to share this this powerful um, philosophy and practice of continuous improvements uh, with people that can make a significant difference on the quality of human life. Yeah. That's, I think that's, that's very powerful. And we'll, we'll kind of dig in a little bit to what you're working on, but maybe let's turn things over uh, a bit to Dr. Brenda. If, if you can introduce yourself and, and your background and maybe also talk a little bit about CCBRT. Um, thank you, Mark. So my name is Dr. Brenda Sequera de Mello and I'm a Tanzanian doctor. I qualified in my general first degree in 1990. Um, and I always knew that I wanted to work with women and children. Um, as Ma as uh, Michael pointed out, uh, the need here in Tanzania is great. And I think especially in the sphere of maternal and newborn health, um, there's plenty to do. Tanzania has, is one of the ninth contributor, top contributor to global maternal death and one of the fourth highest contributor to neonatal death. So it, we have, and it's, you know, one of the, sadly, it's one of the, it's on the top 10 list in spite of being a peace, a country at peace. So what it does tell you that we have a lot of work to do. It's a health system that is crumbling and overwhelmed. 
And uh, much of what we need to do is is very out there. And working in the field of healthcare has a sense of deep satisfaction. So I qualified as a specialist in 1999. And I was convinced that if I could train doctors and postgraduates, which I did for about seven years, I would revert that situation and would drop us off the top 10 list. Mm -hmm. And very diligently, I did all I could. But every two or so years, I would give the lecture on maternal mortality. And we were, we, it would make no impact. We were significantly, the numbers of deaths were not changing. We didn't move from the top 10 list. And, um, and then I came to the realization that it's, we need a public, this is a public health problem. I need to humble myself and stop the, you know, the zeal of clinical work and, and modify my approaches to a more public health setting. So since um, I'm, I'm really, really lucky that the opportunity came up at CCBRT, um, a little about CCBRT, it is a, it's, one of, it's a national disability organization. So it provides surgical care for correcting disabilities, uh, treatable disabilities like cleft lip, club foot, um, cataracts, and fistula, obstetric fistula that is caused from prolonged and delayed and neglected childbirth. So for the past 10 years, it has been one of the main disability organizations in Tanzania. And in 20, 2010, um, the organization did a shift and started moving towards prevention of disability through initiation of a maternal and newborn initiative. And I was called in to help develop and implement that initiative, which to me was a dream job. It still is, because I felt like right now we had funding from the European Union and CBM. I had my relationships with the Ministry of Health. I was working with the Ministry of Health I was give, we were given, we we're working in a region of um, 4.5 million that conducts 100,000 deliveries. Eight, um, and 16 of those deliveries were directly under our project. So we had the opportunity to influence 80,000 deliveries, which I thought this was great. Um, and I think my, uh, my introduction, I think this is part of, is really relevant because I used everything I had, all the knowledge, all the skills, evidence-based research, Columbia's um, maternal mortality reduction scheme and John Hopkins, and tried to implement every evidence-based best practice that I did. Mm -hmm. So when Michael met me in last year, I was just about kind of losing wind because we had tried everything we could and there was still something missing. There was improvement, but it was so marginal, 10%, 2%. It was really discouraging. And... Um, and as I, um, you know, as we, and so when I met Michael, I was at that point, I was searching for an answer of something to add to this beautiful program that we have developed that would make the significant jump and make a, an impact and really reduce maternal and newborn deaths. And, and it's such, I mean, it's hard to, <laughs> without understating it, what uh, important work it is that, that you're doing, what important challenges you're facing. Um, Dr. Brenda, what were your first thoughts about lean as you were exposed to, to lean as a methodology? Um, I'm curious to hear some of your early reactions or current thoughts about the role or the expectation that you had that, that, that lean could play in um, improving care. So um, when one of the first, I mean, I think the growth has been really gradual. And even the word lean, 
I just stumbled. I think as I learn more about it, I'm falling more in love with you know, the whole principles and practice and the methodology. But when I first heard of it, there was something that Michael said. He said, everything rises and falls with leadership. And at that time, I was analyzing the standards at, um, at nine of our you know, highest volume sites. And there was one particular site that stood out. And everyone else was at 30% of the standards, and this one site was at 70%. And when I looked at it, it was the management there, that they were engaged and they were you know, problem solving, and they were just amazing. And so I spent a lot of time looking and learning from them. So when Michael brought in the leadership thing, I thought, yes, mm. this is the key. This is what we need to do. And so I was listening to him with all intent because I knew that there was something I needed to do. But I did not know what to do with the managers because I had trained them with all the clinical skills I had. We had approached, we'd done some management training and quality improvement. And I must admit that I actually read the Toyota QI uh, method in quality improvement the toyota way an article mm -hmm. on the web in 2010 which inspired me to introduce standards-based management but what i got from the from the article is a fraction of what i'm getting from michael so you know i mean it's just golden nuggets that make so much sense and resonates with you know the truth that i have it's taken me 22 years to discover some of these messages mm -hmm. and i don't think that it's ethical to to allow change to happen so slowly. So once you know these principles, we are actually responsible. Because I wouldn't like, you know, we need the principles, we need to implement what we're learning because the, um, the impact will be far more. So like I always, I tell Michael, like if I had known this two years ago, I think we could have been way higher in achievements of what we wanted to do. But there's no point in regretting. I think we need to move yeah. forward and try and see. So where I, what is coming to me is as I learn and I see, you know, the logic of the, the principles, they just make sense. And everybody, as soon as you hear it, you say, you know what, you knew that, but it didn't sound this clear. We didn't know exactly what to do next. And, and that's an exciting time because you feel personally and professionally, you know, I feel like inside me, my mind is growing, my you know, I'm developing professionally in a, in a way that I'm quite proud of. Well, that's, that's, that's really great to hear. And Michael, let me turn things back over to you to talk about um, leadership and um, management, as Dr. Brenda mentioned in your blog post that you wrote about your first 79 days, you talked about um, developing leaders. Um, can, can you talk about that a little bit in terms of um, the, the principles that you're teaching to people, um, the impact that that different leadership style is having. What what, what are you experiencing um, through this? Yeah, sure, Mark. So my, my initial on this lean journey for CCBRT, and just to give it an idea of numbers, it's about 400 staff, and we expect to in the next two or three years to go to 1,200 or something like that with the new maternal hospital we're building. So for, of those 400 staff, I'm almost almost exclusively focused on developing the senior management team, the senior leaders in the organization. I have spent a lot of, we spent a lot of time in workshops, one-on-one, -on -one, but emphasizing to, emphasizing to them that this lean thing is not me, but it's them. They are the teachers of the organization. They are gonna be the teachers of this, not me. So at the moment, I'm bringing through formal problem-solving classes, um, which is, I mean, it's, I guess it's 
35% training, but the rest is all doing. And the expectation is that they become the trainers of, they become the coaches for their own colleagues. Mm-hmm. So I'm very much, and even I had a session today on problem, on problem solving, and I got them to give the feedback to each other rather than coming from me. So I spend a, I'm spending a lot of time one-on-one with managers, um, trying to create the picture for them, what a lean leader, how, he, how a lean leader thinks, acts, and reacts. So there's a lot of excitement from them, and, and the engagement from the CEO and the deputy CEO is just fantastic. Um, in a way, they're some, they're some of my best students, so that they, they really mm-hmm. grasp that they're the ones responsible for driving this through. And I think if I didn't have, it would have taken some of them, I was very happy in my previous company, Merck, and I always said to myself, I'd have taken something special, some more special organization to leave. And I feel within CCBRT and the commitment I got from the senior leaders, from the director of the hospital, to the CEO, to the head matron, to the head of finance, they're really excited about this. And, I would, you know, words are, I mean, everyone can make great speeches, but I'm beginning to slowly see that in their actions. And I always say, don't judge a tree by the, you know, the fruit that it talks about, but the fruit that it bears. And in time to experimenting with these new habits. I mean, just the one habit of, of like, go see. That's totally, in so many ways, so many so new to them. But in, it's, it's so delightful to see how they're experimenting with this and they're seeing the benefits and they're becoming their own champions of this. And they're even making fun of me sometimes with the repetition and the questions I ask mm-hmm. in terms of what assumptions, what are standards. And that's fantastic to see them asking those great questions. And it's... Um, I really feel, in a, and this has not been driven by ego, that this organization here in Africa, in, uh, in one of the most poorest parts of the world, we can make history here by becoming the, one of the first organizations, first healthcare provider on the continent of Africa to begin this lean journey and to have extraordinary success. And I keep on telling the leaders that we can, we can be a shining light for all the other healthcare providers in the area. They can, we can be the, the pedicure, the Virginia Mason, or whoever you want to call us, but people can come to us and we can be a learning academy, if you will, mm-hmm. and we can spread this lean thinking across the continent, starting here in the city of Dar es Salaam in Tanzania. So my excitement of working with this senior leadership team, it's, it gives me so much energy and enthusiasm that I want more people, your listeners including, I want them to experience this um, themselves. So it's great that we're talking, but there's no substitute, as you know, for go see. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, and there's there's no substitute for action because I know you're uh, um, taking action and, and inspiring others there locally to take action. Um, Dr. Brenda, maybe to turn it back over to you, um, because you've been learning from Michael and um, being being mentored, coached by him, and, and and working together. Can can you talk about you know an, an example, um, you know, specific example of something that 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 you're doing differently or process change that you've been involved in that's that's been uh meaningful um yeah there are many examples i think um what is important to explain is that the work at ccbrt is actually threefold we have a disability hospital and we have a community program which is what i mentioned earlier which has public health facilities that are sponsored by the government but supported by my by ccbrt and here in Tanzania, healthcare is provided by the government for free. And in the pipeline, in the next two years, we are developing, uh, we are building a new maternity hospital that is, that is scheduled to go live in 2016, early 2016. 
So what we're doing is learning, piloting, and hoping that the new hospital will imbibe all these um, principles of lean and actually save a lot of uh, wastefulness that we're doing. One of the important things I learned from Michael is what we've done is in the community, we've taken our three biggest sites that do 22,000 deliveries a year, annual, a year, and we've taken the key decision makers and the most influential people, and we've trained them in the first round towards what Michael calls the yellow belt. And we are encouraging them as part of this capacity building to become problem solvers. What was really, really interesting is that for many of them, their senior managers working the system for 10, 15 years, it was the first time they actually donned on scrubs and worked the labor board. Mm -hmm. And the, the change that made both to the staff that work under them and, the, and to them was electric. And, you know, there was a whole newfound respect. There was, um, an, um, you know, just um, an empowerment of people. This, just that process of going and seeing and drawing a process map. It was the first time we were excited to see problems because the whole process map was, was like little red bulbs shining. And they were all little problems, really, really easy that we could now see. And we couldn't just wait to get our teeth into them. And the Michael was, no, you've got to get it, everything, get the facts and figures, no assumptions. He was keeping us on stage one of situational analysis until we really humbly acknowledged how much we hadn't seen before, how much waste was there, how much simple, really, really simple things we could do with almost no resource. And that was a great moment, great moment for me, great moment for them. And, and that was worth so much more because I couldn't, you know, I could teach them to do a cesarean section. I can teach them to do a normal delivery. I can teach them to save lives. But eventually it's a system that needs to support the technical person. And that's where we've traditionally failed. So for me, the, just the power of the go-see mm -hmm. and imbibing each and every step of the way has been really valuable. Well, and, and that seems so... You know, hauntingly familiar, um, you know, to, to healthcare in North America and, and Europe to hear about um, the impact of, of systems, the need for systems in addition to um, the clinical care. So, uh, you know, Dr. Brenda, it sounds like you're optimistic that having more of a focus on um, process improvement and, and, and better systems will uh, hopefully have a great impact. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think that. The principles of lean have are actually an essential component of any capacity building program. Um, clinical care alone, clinical skills alone, will not leave the capacity for the leaders to be able to solve their problems in a sustainable way. So for me, that is the take home I get: is that it has to be at least in some way or the other included and incorporated into any capacity building exercise. Yeah, uh, and and it would be great to. Um, hear more about how um, you know that improvement work is developing and we would definitely love to talk more about your progress in um, in future podcasts um, Michael one other thing um, wanted to touch on a little bit because you, you you mentioned this in your blog post and I, and I think this is another um, very universal um, part of the universal human condition to talk about um, leadership and not blaming individuals um, can can you talk a little bit about that from from your experience uh, in, in in the past or what you're seeing now? Why why is that an important part of lean leadership? Oh, it's a fantastic question, Mark. I when people ask me what's my favorite 
um, lean principle or practice, it's hands down, it's respect for people. And that deep, deep understanding, deep meaning of what that uh, really entails. Not just verbal respect, but in terms of respect in terms of your actions, how you think, act, react. So I'm a huge student of Stephen Covey's work and Dr. Deming, but seeing it in it's so important for leaders to recognize the consequences of their actions, of consequences of their decisions. And a lot of the training I, I do, and just as how I was trained, is to get managers and leaders to reflect on how they interact with people. So I, I keep on, I always tell them problem solving, you can forget everything I told you, I'm okay with that, but don't forget this, the importance of go see, go to the process, observe the process, and talk to the people who do the process by showing respect, by asking why, and to find out more. And that's the thing I can't, I w always want them to, and they, sometimes they make fun of me because I repeat it so many times, but I'm okay with that. <laughs> Because that principle is so important. And um, there is the culture of fear. And I know, as Dr. Deming said, if there's a culture of fear, you'll never get the truth. And if we can get that, if we can just make those small wins and get the leaders to reflect on it, it's it's tremendous. And I know Brenda can share testimony of, uh, I mean, they're talking about only last week in her training. Uh, we don't want to share this one, the punishment. <laughs> yeah, we had, it was a bad outcome. And one of the leaders there wanted to send a letter is that yeah, uh, yeah. I want to send a letter um, you know of um, we usually when you do something wrong you get a letter a warning letter and and as we discussed we had um, we had the other members of the group asking this person so what will that do and how will that prevent the problem from recurring and it's amazing how among themselves you could hear Michael's voice you know is that going to stop the problem from recurring and Michael didn't have to say a word among themselves, there was peer learning, and this whole little action item of punish the person mm -hmm. for doing the wrong thing, for not filling this part of graph, it went from, you know, it went across the quadrants, the priority matrix, and then it, you know, sometimes it went off, and then the person would bring it back on, and it was really <laughs> interesting for them to question the value of punishment, or the lack of value of a, <laughs> of a warning letter, rather than looking at the, at the system. But you know that's a, this is an exciting time, yeah, of growth and change and changing thinking, changing traditional mindsets of how we do healthcare here. Yeah, so I really thank you, Michael. No, yeah. no thank you, my teachers. It's yeah. me. Well, it, it, it's it's great, um, Michael, that you're able to to pass along um, what you've learned. Um, it's it's really um, really inspiring to hear about what y'all are working on um, together there in, in Tanzania. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to stay connected and uh, keep talking about uh, what y'all are learning and, and, and doing and, and, and your important work. Um, Michael, as, as, as we wrap up here, um, I'm sure a lot of people listening are wondering what they can do to help in, uh, in one way or another, if, if you can uh, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, sure, Mark. Um... I guess on a personal level, I'm speaking directly to our listeners, a lot of people have came up to me and um, asked me about my, the personal sacrifices I made to come here. And it may be, appear that I'm quitting a certain, a, a great career with a, a big company, a, a lifestyle that I had in America, but in, I look from the perspective, I've won so much, I've, I've learned so much, and I thank God every single day 
for bringing me here to serve these amazing people. This, and I, what I mean by this, the African healthcare system is the greatest humanitarian crisis in the world right now. There is nothing um, more heartbreaking and creating so much harm on unnecessary preventable death than the African healthcare system. And we can go around pointing fingers and blaming the lack of resources, but I, I wholeheartedly believe the single greatest intervention we can make is in the development of people on this thing we call lean. This, the greatest improvement mythology ever invented, if you want to use that phrase. Mm -hmm. So I'm asking listeners that we need help. I'm only one coach. The, so, so, the, the demand for this is so overwhelming, but the supply on the ground is so small. So my, my direct request is, and I know maybe this is only appealing to 0.001% of the population that are able to do this, but I want people to consider to come here, whether it be for two weeks or three weeks or maybe a month or, or they can, whatever time they can dedicate to come here on the ground and help us. We desperately need to convert, I'll, I'll use the phrase Mike Stockheim taught me, moving butts on the seat to boots on the ground. Mm -hmm. There's a desperate, desperate need to get more lean practitioners here in the field, working side by side with uh, heroes like Dr. Brenda and trying to reverse these heartbreaking maternal and neonatal deaths. So number one, if you were to ask me to prioritize, I, I want people here, practitioners in particular, if possible, to develop leaders, develop managers to, to the long-term solution. Number two, if, if that's not possible, I know that's probably not possible for 99% of um, your listeners, can you possibly help us spread the word? Um, I, I'm so grateful, Mark, and I know we've talked in the past about this, but you're out giving me, an, Brendan, the opportunity to spread this message via the podcast, which I'm a huge fan of. We want more people to somehow spread the word to lean practitioners all across the world, from Japan to Australia, Europe, North America. We want more people to, um, to hear this message. And number three, um, if, that's, if, you can, if possible, to contribute to our foundation in, um, in North America, which is the Kapona Foundation. So the Kapona Foundation, and we'll give the links to it after, I'm sure, Mark, is basically CCBRT in America. And that's our way, if, if people are interested in contributing to that, to help compensate, financially compensate any lean practitioner or d developer of people who wants to come here for a period of time, that we want to make that in a way that they don't lose out any money. Um, so that's my appeal to people. The humanitarian need is desperate. But I thank God every single day for um, bringing me here. And, but I know the biggest impact that I can make in my short time here on Earth is not necessarily the work that me and Brenda are doing here in this small organization in Tanzania, but it's in influencing people around the world to get involved. And that's the message that me and Brenda want to share with your listeners today, that we desperately need help. We need people to, to come here. We need people to spread the word. We need people to contribute to our foundation that can compensate people that want to come here and to, do, to be involved in what I consider the most meaningful and satisfying work that I've ever done in my life, and uh, I, once again, I, I, from the bottom of my heart, Mark, I thank you for giving myself and Brenda the opportunity to share with you today. Well, Michael, thank you for um, sharing what you're doing and, and, and that appeal for help. Um, people go to uh, the page for this episode. Um, if you go to leanpodcast.org, you can find a link to the, the, the blog page. For this episode, you can find um, links you know, for more information about um, CCBRT and um, you know how to, how to potentially donate and um, how to help. 
Um, Dr. Brenda, do you have any final thoughts or, or comments you'd like to, to share as we end here? I'm, I just want to thank you, Mark, for this opportunity. And I'd like to thank Micah for, for coming into Tanzania and um, you know, leading the way. And for I personally am deeply grateful to him for the change in my thinking. And I know that this has forever changed the way I will be a trainer and I will be a doctor. It's forever changed me. And I'm excited about spreading that. So I have nothing to add to Micah's uh, passionate plea, and I just would like to resonate that, that we really do need people, because Michael has a lot of work to do for CCBRT and moving the organization forward. So he would need not only more backup help for helping with the work, but also for him to be um, refreshed. So having given him an opportunity to work with his peers and other lean leaders will help refresh him because this is a big task ahead and I wouldn't want him to burn out. <laughs> <laughs> no danger of that, Brenda, no danger of that. <laughs> well, um, thank you, Dr. Brenda, Michael. Um, thank you so much for um, taking time to be a guest today. It's amazing the wonders of, of Skype and technology that we can uh, make this conversation happen. And um, thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.